Welcome, buddy. All right. Thanks. This is taller than me. All right. So good to be with you guys. It's rare that I get a subject, but it's okay, because it's the subject of my new book. So uh, it'll be out after the election. Depending on how that turns out, you might really need... No. <laughs> the wonderful thing about faith is it, it never, like, your belief system should never change based on your circumstances. So uh, very quickly, because uh, I'm going to do a sign and a wonder. I'm going to give you about nine hours of teaching and two hours. <laughs> that nervous laugh. You know, I've never, I, I enjoy certain things of entertainment, but I've never finished it and gone, man, my life's changed forever. But I have been with the Lord for a few hours and go, I don't think I'll ever recover from that. So think about the things you're spending time with. But uh, a few years ago, I did a whole day uh, with just a small group of people that I passionate. I taught on the subject of faith, and he's got great fruit in the area of faith. You, I encourage you to listen to people who have fruit about what they're talking about. And then uh, here's just a, I'll probably touch more on this, just an introduction, Faith 101 with some teaching notes in it. And uh, I'd grab that because I don't put my notes out there anymore because they're becoming books. And then something really fun happened um, when things got shut down by me in March. Uh, we just, you know, like any time, like, okay, Lord, is there something you want us to do in this season? We started praying six days a week and connecting people from all over the country. And God just began to show up. I had some significant encounters. An angel of the Lord just came. And this is a very significant time for the people of God. And uh, God is actually watching to see if we will align properly with heaven. There's a simple theme that's been rolling around in me, and it's this. If we align properly with what God wants to do, he will do what he's promised to do. And uh, God doesn't adjust to people. People have to adjust to him. And he will always do what he says. And so this is a really significant, beautiful time. But we've continued this call. It's Monday... Tuesdays and Thursdays, and uh, God connects. It's like this, it, it is intercession and prayer, but it's like this prophetic lab too. So if you want to join us, 804, it, then there's a little card back there you can call in. It's, it's really amazing because I never knew how this was going to work out, and I decided not to do a Zoom call because there's some older saints who don't quite get that. But it feels like we're in the same room. It's been this wonderful community. We've done actually a gathering in Cincinnati. We're going to do a gathering at the beginning of the year, and we did one in June. And, and it's just so much fun just to hear voices and, and hear what God is doing. And we're also connecting uh, with uh, Patricia King's larger initiative of uh, praying up until election 24 hours, seven days a week. And I also saw something this morning that I think at 5 p.m. Eastern, there's a specific pro, uh, focus uh, and prayer for our president. So um, just a really interesting time to be alive. And God chose us to be alive during this time. Okay, I think in um, July, I was in uh, Alabama, and I was like, it just came out. I was like, God allowed us to be do uh, alive during this time. And he's going to hold us responsible for how we acted. And uh, I guarantee you, it's not being stuck in your basement. That's one thing. That's a word from the Lord. <laughs> don't, don't hide in your basement right now, you know. So I, and I, and I, I, I'm not saying things. I know there's some people, they have to stay safe or whatever. Um, but um, don't take the doctor's advice. Take God's advice. 
I like doctors. I believe in doctors, but listen to the Lord. It'll save your life, literally. All right, why don't we pray? Because I have an assignment this morning. Let's lift our hands. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you, uh, you promised us that you would give us the secrets of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And you also promised us you would lead us and guide us into all truth. So deliver us from all ignorance, all, all ideas that we think are true about you, but they're not true. And teach us your ways. Not teach us about what we think is right, but what we, we, we need to hear. Open up your word to us like those two disciples who walk with you on the road to Emmaus, that you open the word to them. I need your help, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. We ask again uh, this morning for words from heaven, words from heaven that shape earth, life-giving words, open people's ears to hear, eyes to see, and uh, mark people today with a hope that they can trust you with everything, and you are the source of all things. You are the source of all things. Thank you for the open heaven. Thank you that this is Bethel. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Thank you for all the gifts of the Spirit being in operation. And Lord, I just declare that uh, every idle word just spoken against the work here that has tried to hinder the work here, I just declare that there's an, uh, a grace and a door in the Spirit opening to advancement, promotion, increase and expanding the people of God horizon here in Jesus name. Amen. Did you bring your Bibles today? Hope you did because we're going to try and jump into a lot here. Uh, there's a term that I like to use. Uh, I, I, I received it several years ago. It's called God's divine design. There is a, a method uh, or a, uh, yeah, I would say method that God has chosen to relate to humanity and uh, God has this characteristic called his holiness, and holiness means he's just integrous, and he is just in all that he does, and because he's just in all he does, he is so bound to his word that once he has uh, chosen and, and declared it in his word to operate in that way, he doesn't change. Malachi 4 verse 6, I am the Lord and I do not change. So uh, th this is... Uh, when we look at this, we'll look at this also in the book of Genesis. He established a way that he creates. He establishes a way that he governs the earth. And he, and he doesn't, he is not changing from that original way. He's, he is, he is, uh, he is uh, chosen to relate to humanity and to deal with humanity. And we're going to start actually in a kind of an unusual place. And if we're talking about the subject of faith, What's important to recognize is that God actually operates in, in faith himself. Look at uh, Mark, the 11th chapter. Mark 11. God has faith. And here's what's really interesting. God has faith, and we'll see here in a minute, that he gives to humanity the faith himself that he operates. Look at Mark chapter 11, verse 12 through 14. Now, on the next day when they had come back from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps if he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for the figs. In response, Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you uh, ever again, and his disciples heard it, reading out of the New King James. Now, skip on to verse 20. There's a little minor story we skipped over there of him overturning the temple. It's very minor. It's not a major event. 
verse 20. Now in the morning, they passed by, uh, they passed by and they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have cursed has withered away. Now, I want you to notice, too, that Jesus spoke to a tree and that tree became exactly what he intended that tree to be through his words. So, so Peter's like, like amazed, like, hey, that, you know, exactly what you said to that tree came to pass. Now, you also notice, too, that Jesus didn't check to see if it was working. Jesus didn't go, uh, are you sure, Father, you spoke correctly? He spoke to that tree, and he was, he was convinced that the words that the Father gave him would come to pass. And so he speaks to this tree. He changes the, the very nature of how that tree is functioning through the words he spoke. And then Peter is amazed by it. And Peter goes to him, hey, what you said to that tree exactly happened. And then Jesus gives this startling revelation about the nature of God. Verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. That's New King James. That's not the best translation. The Bible in basic English is have God's faith. Young's literal translation is have God's faith. A leading Greek scholar many years ago said they didn't want to, and he wasn't a charismatic, they said they didn't, they didn't, they just thought that was too outrageous, but he actually uh, turns the words he spoke to that tree and, the, and what happened to that tree, he immediately turns it into a subject, uh, a lesson on the subject of faith, and the first thing he reveals about God is that God has faith. Have God's faith, for surely I say to you, and you'll notice, you will constantly see this in Scripture, that when God speaks about faith, you will always see a divine connection between faith and words. For surely I say to you, whoever, whoever, notice he says whoever, and notice in these verses, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are nowhere in those verses. So there are certain things that God cannot do for you in the area of faith. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done. But believes those things he says will be done, and he will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them, and you'll have them. The, the revelation there that, that is key for us is that God actually has faith, and he invites humanity to have the same faith that he has. When, God, it, when God's faith is in operation, now let's look at Romans, the fourth chapter. Here's one of the characteristics of God's faith that is very, very interesting. Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 16. This is a characteristic of God's faith. So the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit are three distinct persons, and, and when they choose and decide to move in the earth, they, uh, and you'll see in Genesis 1, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the earth, but until God spoke, the creative power of God could not be released. So when God decides to do something, when he, uh, when he makes, uh, how do we put this, the best way to put this? When, when he has something he has decided, he speaks it into existence, and he calls what does not exist into existence through the words in his mouth. And according to John 1, those words are actually God himself. The word became flesh, and the word dwelt among us. The same word that spoke the universe into existence humbled himself and came to the earth, became as a man, though fully God, fully man, and now lived in the earth in the limitations of the words he spoke. I want to talk about humble. 
So here it is, Romans, the fourth chapter. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. That should be every person in this room. How many are in Christ? If you're not sure, we can get you born again here. How many are in Christ? If you're in Christ, even if you're a Gentile, you've been grafted into the faith of Abraham, and you have the, the blessing of Abraham, not only the blessing of Abraham, but the blessing of Adam. But who, so, so everyone has the faith of Abraham if you're in Christ. Who is the father of us all? As, as it is written, I have made you a father in the of many nations in the presence of him who believes God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So the question is there, how does he call things that do not exist as though they did? Through words. Who contrary to hope, in hope believes, so he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be, and not being weak in faith, did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred uh, years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, becoming fully convinced that what he promised was he was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. So uh, I know we're moving quickly, but here's the point. God has faith. God's faith calls things, be not as though they are. And you'll notice that when Abraham believed God, none of his circumstance lined up. His belief in God defined the circumstance in his life. Now, where do we see God operating in faith? I'm glad you asked, Grant. Look at Genesis 1. Usually I start here, but just for the, for, uh, the sake of what we have to uh, work in here today. Look at Genesis 1. Now, this is what I call the God's divine uh, design right here. You, you cannot really understand God in the way he intends you to understand them unless you, you, you really get a good grasp and a good biblical worldview from Genesis, the first chapter. When Jesus stands up in Matthew 28 and saying, all authority has been given to me and go, go therefore make disciples of all nations, he is not introducing something new. He is simply re-emphasizing what God intended in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis uh, 1, verse 1, when time began, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Here's a good question. Where did that light come from? It came from himself. He speaks, and here's the key part. Verse 3 and 4 are really interesting. And you'll notice this pattern in creation. God speaks, and then God saw. Because God's words became what he saw before he spoke it. God speaks, and then he saw. And he speaks to himself, and the light actually comes from God himself. Now, here is the crown jewel of creation right here. Right here. And you'll see that... In the book of Genesis, he doesn't just tell us once that he spoke. He tells us over and over again, and then you'll see that pattern. God speaks, and then God saw, because what he spoke became what he had already seen in his, what, what he had already desired in his heart, and according, and, and you'll see Romans, the fourth chapter in operation. He is calling things, be not as though they are. And you also see in verse two there of Genesis one, the Holy Spirit's there, but there's no creation unless there was a speaking of his word. It's very, very interesting. You can have the Holy Spirit in a place ready to do what God wants to do, but unless there is a speaking, it will not take place. 
why were prophets so prominent in the Old Testament? Because they were speaking the word of God. They, part of the reason they were speaking what they were saying is they needed to give the people in the Old Testament something to say. Genesis 1 verse 26. Now you'll see that when he creates man, what does he do? He speaks to himself. This is fascinating stuff. God speaks to himself and he creates us. So you came from God. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. Image is likeness, pattern after resemblance. You'll also notice that when he creates, he creates things to function in certain environments. Fish belong in water, right? Take the fish out of water, they die. Plants can only grow with the right soil. Plants belong with soil. God speaks to himself. Take People outside of God, what do they do? They die. Let them. Really, really, really key right there. Let them. Notice he didn't say let us. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created male and female. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields to seed, to you it shall be food. So God, uh, now, now uh, when he says, let them and over all the earth, he switches the dynamics of what's taking place in the earth. He makes man his representative in the earth, and now man is in charge of the earth. But here's the thing. Uh, man is now put as his ambassador over the, all the earth. God owns the earth, but he made the choice to make men and women responsible for what takes place in the earth. The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord, but the earth belong to the sons of men. Psalm chapter 11, he sets up his throne in heaven, creates heaven as a, crea heaven as a created place. God didn't need a place to live. Makes the earth, puts man in charge of the earth, but he gives it, it and what is the first voice man hears in what he has created? The first voice he hears is the voice of God. And what does that voice of God say? He blessed them. What does he do? An empowerment to prosper, empowerment for the goodness of God. Everything that God was, he released on man so that they could, they could live forever and govern the earth according to his precepts. How is man created to function? Man was created to function by the voice of God. He's created to receive information from two different sources, the realm of the senses, nothing wrong with that, and the realm of revelation, revealed knowledge. Man could not discover who he was apart from the voice of God. So now he's been put in part of the church. That's why, that's why instinctively in every human being, there's something, unless they've been traumatized, abused, or something happened in their life, they, they, they instinctively, men and women know they were created to be awesome. If you were created to, to be a caretaker of the earth, you're to, it's a pretty big task. You also notice there that the words that, um, that uh, God speaks to them, they, have, they don't have anything to do with education or qualification. You'll also notice there, he didn't say, hey, if it's a rainy day, you know, just, just kind of 
receive that. He says, you are in charge of the earth. Now skip on to 2, Genesis 2, verse 4 and 5. This is another interesting series of verses. This is the history of heavens and the earth when they were created. In that day, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Catch this right here, really important. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, before any herb of the field had, had grown, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth. Why did he not cause it to rain? Because there was no man to till the ground. So here's something also really interesting. This, these verses are just full, but we'll just throw out some things here. Man was, was, was not created to take care of himself. Man was not, no one in this room was created to take care of yourself. Everything that uh, Adam and Eve needed, either they could find in God or they were given seed to produce upon the earth. No one in this room has been created to take care of themselves. It's a big one for Americans. God, Genesis 1, back again, back to that point, God wanted to be their source of all things. But here's what's also interesting. God gave them something more powerful than his power and the resources he had made available to them before the foundation of the earth. He gave them this thing called choice. They could choose. The power of choice is so powerful that it will actually stop the purposes of God on the earth. But here's another really good point about all this. No one comes to earth without a purpose, and God doesn't put anyone on the, on the earth without having first made provision for everything they would ever need on the earth. All the money you would ever need, He's already taken care of all the relationships, favor, everything you would ever need because he will never send someone to earth without having made provision for them to be fruitful and productive in the earth. Now, catch this pattern again taking place. God speaks, God speaks. Man, you're in charge. He speaks to himself. Now, you're created to take care of the earth. You're to be a steward of the earth, and you can trust me to receive everything. 2 verse uh, 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in that day of it, uh, in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. The reason I read that is because you'll watch that man was created to be governed by revelation knowledge. How does he know how, how the earth is going to function? How does he know what his responsibility is? God tells him, how does he know not to eat of that tree? He can't discern it from the senses. He's got to discern it by what? The word of God. So the word of God is his guide. He's trusting those words. Don't eat that word. As long as he did what God told him, that earth is perfect. No flaws. There's a pattern, though, that he's establishing. Verse 18. Well, let's go to verse 19. Out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. There is that pattern again. God is the source of everything. And brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called, it, called each living creature, that was its name. Now catch what's happening here. What qualified Adam to name those animals? What qualified him? Genesis chapter 1. So what is governing the earth? What, what is going to execute God's will in the earth? Man must trust the words of God that he is qualified to be a caretaker of the earth. Notice there, what, there's, there's not anything in Adam that signifies that he has got a diploma to name animals. He's gone to no schooling. His, his, his trust is in the words of God. 
So God brings those animals, and now you'll watch again that pattern. God doesn't go, let me take care of it. God is now waiting for words to come out of his life. He's never done that before. But he's trusting God, and those animals do not know the difference between God or Adam speaking because he's simply speaking God's word, and they know they must obey those words. And when you name something, you prophesy part of its characteristics, biblically speaking. That's why every believer should know what they're named. When he named those animals, he was declaring what they were supposed to be in the earth. So the earth was supposed to be governed by man trusting God in relationship with God, walking with God. By the way, there's two, uh, there's two interchangeable terms in Scripture called faith and trust. Sometimes when you hear the word faith, gets a little, people get a little nervous. I don't, I don't have a lot of faith. You know, it's really hard faith. I don't know this whole faith thing. But trust, faith and trust are simply interchangeable terms in scripture. He trusts God. The world is governed, but he's got to trust God. He's never done that before. So people are like, I just never have done this. It's called walking with God. Because he wants you to recognize that when you, see, and we'll talk, talk about it in a minute, but the whole thing is you can't do this without God. That's what he wants you to live with an awareness every day. But when you trust him and you take those steps, you're like, oh, this is amazing. He goes, I'm going to reward you for what I gave you the power to do. But you got to put your trust in me to receive that. So what happened? <laughs> Little problem happened. I don't know if you got that one. Genesis 3, you'll see what, what is the attack. The attack is on their belief system. Did God really say? Same lie that's still out there. He wants them to, you know, if you believe, you know, don't, you know, if you eat that tree, God knows you're going to be, you're going to know go good and evil like me. What, what it, what's the temptation there? Simply is, you be the God of, of your own life. You decide what's right and wrong. So now, now, watch what happens there. We don't have time to open it up this morning, but watch the significance there. I encourage you to read Genesis 3. When they believe a lie... They, they, their body gets corrupted, the earth gets corrupted because your belief system does not operate in a vacuum. This is a governing worldview principle. If you have a negative view about yourself or an ungodly view about or belief system, I don't care if you're born again, you can be born again. You can be born again, talk in tongues, do miracles, but think like the devil in some areas. It is actually projected to the world around you. If you have a spirit of rejection on you, you can love God, but unknowingly, when you walk around with that, people reject you because of what is emanating from your belief system. Because you don't think from here, you think from here, your heart. So their body gets corrupted, the earth gets corrupted because that is their sphere of influence. That, get, get, that gets corrupted, but also their view of God gets corrupted. He's coming to look for them, and they are ashamed. They never had shame before that. So now their world has shifted. And here's something else that came into play that's really, really important to discern. It's this. A system came into play that was completely different from the kingdom of God, which is what they were representing on the earth. It's called the Babylonian system. Don't think 666. Don't think end time charts, even though I don't know if it includes that. I don't know. I don't really get into those stuff, the charts and stuff. But Excuse me. The Babylonian system is simply this. It's man's way of trying to make it in this world without God. 
How am I going to do this? How am I, you know, what, what am I going to do for a living? What, what, how am I going to take care of this? How am I going to make the house payment? Bop, 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 bop. And man becomes the center of all that. And in humanity, this is what I believe actually, there is a longing because everyone is made in the image of God to live in what God created at the beginning of time. So we've created philosophy, we've created socialism, and all, all these different things, even capitalism, and they all fall short of what can only be found in the kingdom of God. And so we get saved into that world. We get saved into this Babylonian system, especially as Americans, you know, just pull myself up by the bootstraps and just do it. And there's some good, I'm proud to be an American. Don't ever not be proud to be an American, you know. God is the one who creates nations and, and boundaries and things like that. That's a, that's a bunch of propaganda that doesn't want to make people proud of their nation. But you also have to recognize the things in your culture that are contrary to living in the kingdom of God. And so we come in with these mindsets, and we come into with these mindsets, but we also know that in the kingdom of God, you can only come in by faith, right? The only way to connect in the kingdom of God is to trust in God. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. But without faith, and you can interchange again that term, without faith or trust, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you can only reconnect to what, what God intended from the beginning of time through trust in God. Second thing about uh, uh, once you come into the kingdom, I don't know exactly how it works. I believe that whenever, however we got born again, you know, I know people have encounters, gospel crusade, whatever it was. Once you hear that message of the gospel, there is a grace and there is an ability given to people by God himself called the measure of faith that they can respond to the gospel message. They can either choose yes or no. And that is called the measure of faith. Everyone, once you come in, you get, the same, you, you get this measure of faith. Everyone, when you got born again, too, has a measure of faith that God has given you as a free gift. And it's God's faith. Look at uh, Romans, the 12th chapter. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than you ought, but to think soberly as God, as God. Notice he's a source again. God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. In Ephesians 2, notice it's an apostolic emphasis. For by grace, you've been saved through what? Faith. Not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God's prepared beforehand. Now, at this point, it's very, very important that we define the difference between uh, say, even saying something is true and biblical faith. You can, you can say, you, or, or there are people that exist in this world, it's very important culturally right now, because there's a lot of people who like to add Jesus to their spirituality. Spirituality is very popular these days, or spiritual people, and it's, it's, in some measure, it's true. And a lot of people, like, um, they, they enjoy many aspects that come in the kingdom of God. You know, positivity, speaking correctly, truth, all this stuff. But here is the crux right here. The gospel of the kingdom of God is you come as you are, but you must surrender all because you are not an independent entity and you are a sinner. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have to change our terminology. 
Oh, they're a really nice person. They're just not born again. No, they're dead. They're a dead man walking. They have no life in them. Now, the challenge with that is sometimes we actually see unbelievers who act more nicely than people who claim to be believers. That's why we get that twisted up, so we got to change that up for people. But they're lost. And the crooks of it is there's a Savior who died and rose again. He died for you. He died so you can have life. The only way you enter into that life is that you surrender everything. There's no negotiation with God. I have a friend, really probably one of the smartest people I know, Berkeley graduate, PhD, MBA, all of, you know, he's a smart dude. And he thought, he grew up Catholic, and he thought anyone who believes that Jesus stuff has got to be stupid. That's what he thought. He's so smart. But his, I think his first or second year at Berkeley, these guys began witnessing. So you got to <coughs> knock on that. It's like a woodpecker goes in and starts messing people up. Because they hear those words. And he said, so he says, these words started dealing with him. So he said, God, I'll give my life to you, but I don't want to be stupid. He told God this. God's okay with being honest. And he said, I heard God say to me, no deal. God doesn't negotiate with you. And we've lied to people. Just come up here and say a prayer. Man. Next deal, he said, God, I'll give you my whole life. I don't care what my life looks like. And God said, deal. Got born again. So the offensive thing to the mind of man is that I am in need of a God and I cannot save myself. And he is Lord over all. It's kind of offensive to people. There are not multiple ways. There's not adding Jesus to your spirit. So what is biblical faith? Biblical faith is something that takes you out of yourself into complete dependence upon God is a clinging to God. And here's the thing about faith that I've learned. Faith is not blind. That's, this is like a religious thing called. It's not blind. And the reason it's not blind is this. How can, you, how can it be blind when it's a guarantee to work? <laughs> Got you with that one. Yeah, like you're really stepping out there. He said it's true. It's going to work. So we come into the kingdom of God by faith, and it's important to, to measure that. You can believe something is true, but still never put your faith. There's people that told me, I believe Jesus, you know, walked the earth. I think he died on a cross. But they have never made a conscious choice to place their complete trust and base their life on that truth. And here's the other part. Saving faith can only be re received when it's based on God's revelation of himself. You can't be like, okay, you know, like I'll say this prayer, but, you know, I still got this, got this thing I do that I don't want to give up. Okay, I want this, and, you know, I know I'm involved in an immoral business, and, you know, I like the money, and so I'm not willing to give that up. No deal. It's I surrender all, and now I'm yours to command from this day forward. There is no salvation apart from that. Here's the thing. He gives you the power to do it. The, 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 one of the greatest lies that's ever been taught out there is that, that you will somehow lose something when you surrender all to God. It's that fear. Fear of losing control of your own future. 
So we come into the kingdom by faith, and now faith to overcome the world has been given to every believer. Faith to, come, to overcome the world has been given to every believer. You should have said amen to that. Somebody's just looking at me. It's okay. But it's really, really good news. Look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Not the gospel of John, the epistle of John. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him, who, all, uh, who loves him, who begot him, also loves him, who is, for, who is begotten by him. By this we know we love the children of God. When we love God, we keep his commandments. Now, there's a truth that Jesus constantly emphasized when he spoke on the subject of the kingdom. It, it was this truth, that no one can serve two masters, and that the kingdom of God was like this, a man who found a precious uh, jewel and sold all that he had, and then, Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You can't understand God unless that is a foundational principle. You'll be frustrated and you will despise God when you want to serve both God and the Babylonian system. Like, all right, you know, when, when your mindset is like this, you, you're, you're, you're thinking incorrect. You're like, I could really do that, but, I, you know, the Bible says not to do that. You're at, what are you doing? You're actually despising God because you haven't placed him first in your life. You see it as an obstacle to what you really want to do in your belief system. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, is why I said that. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So every era of your life, faith has been given to you as a gift from God to overcome every limitation, no matter what it is. Sickness, disease, poverty, torment, relational problems, trauma, pain, overwhelmness. Everything has been given to you as a gift from God to overcome the world. Now, here's also why this is important. You cannot properly represent God unless you are overcoming the world. I always ask myself, is the life I'm living, is the fruit that I'm producing from the life I'm living an invitation of what people would want to receive in their own life? Now, here's a kingdom truth that is really important and why it's important to walk by faith. And it's this. When we learned, most of us as Westerners in the Babylonian system, we learned to understand something before we trusted that it was a truth. In the kingdom of God, everything operates from the inside out. It was, this was the focus of Jesus' teaching. When he walked the earth, repent, change your thinking, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Where's your thinking? Right here. Unless your internal belief system change, you cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 6, probably one of the, I've been meditating on this now for years. John chapter 6, they asked Jesus this question. It's a phenomenal question. What do we need to do to do the works of God? Because the Babylonian system constantly focuses on behavior and outside things out there. You know, 
I, I'm short of money, so I'm going to get another job out there. You know, if my husband would just get right with the Lord, our family would be better out there. If I could have more influence out there in the kingdom of God, everything happens from the inside out. And your belief system is supposed to define the world that you live in. What do, we need, what do we need to do to do the works of God? This is the work of God. This is the work of God. Notice he doesn't say, here's five steps. He says, this is the work of God that you believe, that you believe in him who he sent, that you believe. That, so he tells us, if your belief system is right, your actions will be right. That's why he taught. I always I was wondered about this. So I really began to like inquire, meditate on this stuff. That's why he would say, like, you've heard it said that if you, you know, if you lie with a woman, you commit adultery. He goes, but I say to you, if you look at a woman to lust in your heart, it's like you already did it. Why? Because he knows if it's here and not repented of, you will eventually do it on the outside. John chapter 14, these signs will follow them that trust. They will do the works. I, no, no, that's, that's Mark 16. This is John 14. If you trust, you will not only do the works that I'm doing, but you will do greater works. He says to the woman at the well, if you believe, no, 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 no later, John, John 11, didn't I say to you, if you believe, right, you would see the glory of God. Mark chapter 16. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. How is it that Joseph, even in an old covenant, the Bible says he was prosperous, yet another man owned him? Because prosperity is an inside job. Someone else owned him, yet prosperity followed him everywhere he went. Look at uh, Hebrews 11. And we'll land the plane. Hebrews chapter 11. Here's another million dollar truth according to this here. To me, a million dollar truth. Everything you see in the world is defined by something you cannot see. Everything you see in the world is defined by something you cannot see. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtain a good testimony. Here it is right here. Here's what I was just talking about. By faith, we understand. Notice it doesn't say we have faith that causes us to understand. It's by faith we understand. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by what? The word of God. So that the things, the things, the things, stuff, stuff. American version right there. The things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Now, Paul would later put language on this, and he said, we look not to the things that are seen. We look to the things that are unseen, for what is unseen is eternal. And then, and then, uh, and then Jesus told Nathaniel, right? He, Nathaniel's like, oh my gosh, you nailed that prophetic word. You know, how did you see me? He goes, he goes if you believe, again, if you believe, you'll see heaven open and you'll see the angels of God ascend and descend. So he's telling us this essential reality that believers have to be able to see from the unseen realm and take what is unseen and bring it into the seen realm through their trust in God. Now, everyone's been given the measure of faith, right? I already said that. Here's, here's just another natural example I've learned to give this. I have the same body as Mr. America. 
It's absolutely the truth. I would not lie to you. Do. I got arms. I got legs. I got biceps, triceps. What's the difference between Mr. America and me? He has developed his body at a superior level to develop the muscles that he has. You have been given a measure of mountain-moving faith. God wants that measure to grow. God wants it to increase. God wants you to become a person of great faith. He later told Thomas, blessed are those, what? Who never see, but believe. Centurion soldier believes before he sees because he recognizes the authority of the one who could speak it into existence. So everyone's been given the same measure of faith. Now, one of our goals as all disciples, you have a discipleship school, we'll talk tomorrow, discipleship school. Everyone's been given the measure of mountain-moving faith. Now you must begin to develop that faith and to begin to develop and to begin to change your belief system. Now, a key posture of living by faith is this. You always have to position yourself like a child because he, you, you can be strong in one area of your life or develop, begin to develop in one area of your life and still be thinking very dysfunctionally in another area. Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes by what? Hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. That's why I like the teaching of the Word. Usually I go to bed listening to the Word. I wake up listening to the Word. Why? I have to hear. But I'm also very careful. I've learned to be careful to discern what comes to the surface when I hear, when I hear certain things. And I go, ooh, ooh, how come, I, how come that feels funny to me? It's the Word of God, but how come it feels? Because there's probably something I need healing from. So what... what what do I have to exchange here so I can fully embrace this truth? So faith comes by hearing and hearing. Abner translation, hearing and hearing and hearing, hearing, hearing. Faith grows through confession. Key part. Look, let's go back to Mark 11. Verse 22, so Jesus answered, said to him, have God's faith, for surely I say to you, whoever says, whoever says, whoever says, whoever says, whoever says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart. Notice it says his heart. Every one of us will be challenged with thoughts. No, it's, no, you don't, you're crazy. It's not going to work. I've always been a failure in that area, but this is what God has said. This is what God has said. And often when you begin speaking things that you know is the will of God, your present circumstances will try and do war against what you're believing God for. Believes those things he says will be done. He will have, he will have. Here's one thing that I've learned. He will have whatever he says. 
Here's another truth. God believes everything he says. He wants you to believe everything you say. So I, I've learned, I enjoy joking, but I don't joke about certain things. Because the spirit world does not know the difference between you joking and angels are sent on assignment when you speak the word of God. They are. They move on your behalf, but so are demons. Words transmit spirits. He will have whatever he says. He will have whatever you, you have in your life right now is the result of the words you've been speaking in previous seasons. It's, it's, it's people, I've had people, like, I don't believe it, you know, that confession stuff. It's okay. I, believe, I, I absolutely believe you don't believe what I'm teaching here because you have no evidence of it in your life. So I just encourage you, ask God, especially so critical right now, to be so diligent in what you're saying. Amen. So diligent in what you're saying. Speak life, words of life. I just, I just learned, you know, I'm not mature enough. I just keep, like, if I think I have lots of thoughts, he just... I don't need to say anything right now. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. How can you believe you've received them? Because you said it. Some things might happen in a few weeks. Some things might take a few years. And here's what the enemy loves to do. You've been saying this for the last six months and nothing's changing. How long you got to stand? You got to stand until you win. And God's not going to say, God's not going to say it's over until you win. Thank you for the one amen. Here's the other thing I've learned too. There's something really, really powerful when you are speaking God's word that has a different effect when you're hearing the word of God come out of a preacher or a teacher. When your ears are hearing that thing, it does something to you. There's something you've been created to actually hear the word of God come out of you. And in that over and over and over again. And the reason part of that's so important is your, your, your mind can go like, I don't really believe. I, I've had many things like, I don't, like, I'm thinking like, I don't even believe this will happen. But I begin to say it. And I said it for two, three, four, five. And then it just triggers something in me. This is what I believe. I was with some leaders a, a few years ago. And uh, they were, I don't know, they called it talking. They were saying how we can do certain things. I said, I'm going to do that one day. And it got real quiet. But I was kind of excited because I said, I'm actually believing the right things right now. I'm actually believing the right things. So be careful. Even, even culturally, the enemy loves jokes. Catch these things. Never say you're losing your mind. I have the mind of Christ. I have the wisdom of God. Never say you don't know how you're going to do something. Christ in you gives you the ability to do it. Final thing is faith is manifested in our actions. Faith is manifested in our actions. One of the things I've learned when you're believing God for something, the process is like this. You've got to start in faith. What does God say? Look at your life today. What are the areas that are out of alignment with the word of God? Find a scripture that comes to it. Sometimes people go, we need prayer for this. What scripture are you standing on? We need prayer for this. What scripture are you standing on? 
What scripture applies to your situation? Well, we just really need prayer. It's not going good. That's part of your problem. You're not standing on the word. You're standing on whatever you think is right. You got to start in faith, stand in faith, and then finish in faith. And usually when you're finishing in faith, God will ask you to do something that is way beyond anything you've ever done. It's these little wisdom things that I call that unlock the manifestation of what you're believing for. I mean, this is like, I'm thinking like, this doesn't make sense, God. He goes, this is what I want you to do. And the beautiful thing about walking by faith is you never assume you know what God is going to do. Here's some scriptural promises, and I am finishing because I hear the children ready to finish. These are all found in the word of God. We can base our entire existence on God's word. These are just promises for every area of your life. Whatever it is, have financial problem. Oh, there's lots of ones on finances. Depressed, there's ones on, on that. But here's, you can base your entire existence on the word of God. You can know that you're a new creation and your sins are completely forgiven and forgotten. You are united with Christ. You are completely righteous before God. You're loved in the same way that Jesus was loved by the Father. You have favor with God. Oh, that's a big one say it almost every day. Lord, thank you that the favor of God is on me. The favor of God surrounds me. The favor of God will unlock. The rules of this world system do not apply to me because the favor of God causes me to advance. God empowers you for every good work. You can trust God to have what? Complete victory over sin. That's a good one. You can have God's faith and all things are possible. We can know that our faith and God overcomes the world. We can trust God to know our assignment and purpose in the earth. We can have friendship with God. We can trust God to guide us and share his thoughts with us. We can know and live by the voice of God. Here's a good one. We can trust God to provide everything we will ever need. It is the will of God to prosper you and to bring you wealth. <laughs> Gets quiet with that one. So we can trust God to live without sickness and disease. We can trust God to have a sound mind and live free from torment and depression. We can trust God to do greater works than Jesus. And God's spoken word moves mountains. I just did a sign in a wonder. Did you receive this word today? Just lift your hands for a minute. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you that there is an open heaven. There's someone, uh, you have like a lower back pain and the Lord is healing you. There's someone in this room, there's at least one, I just see you came just burdened down, worried, tired. And you, you're just seeking after God, but just you're overburdened. I just say, be free now and receive the rest of God. And I see like in the spirit, there's just like this anchor and it's like the anchor of hope and faith. So I just encourage you to lift your hands as high as you can as a prophetic act and just say, Father, today, oh, that was weak. You sound like Baptist. Say, Father, today, I receive your faith. Thank you for the grace to walk by faith and not by sight. Teach me your ways. I want to know you. 
teach me how to overcome in you. I'll just finish with this. Lord, I just ask for faith and hope to arise. Somebody's right shoulder's being healed. Somebody's headache's being healed. Right knee being healed. Faith and hope. And Lord, let there be a mark today. Let there be a mark today in your people that they know that they can receive everything you have for them, that there can be peace and not turmoil in any situation that they're in. Give them the courage to trust you as the source of all things. In Jesus' name.